open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. Now is the time of reformation, in which Christ the High Priest of things to come is confessed before kings. O come, let us worship him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills is his also. It is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Now is the time of reformation in which Christ the High Priest of things to come is confessed before kings. O come, let us worship him.
I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings, and will not be ashamed. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Come, ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life, and loveth many days, that he may see good? Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings, and will not be ashamed. The first lesson for the Feast of the Reformation is written in the 14th chapter of the Revelation to St. John, beginning at the 6th verse. I saw an angel flying in mid-heaven, having an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth and to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He said with a loud voice, Fear the Lord and give him glory, for the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and the springs of waters. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God.
the epistle is written in the third chapter of Romans, beginning at the 19th verse. Brothers, we know that whatever things the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be closed, and all the world may be brought under the judgment of God. Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now, apart from the law, a righteousness of God has been revealed, being justified by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all those who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God sent to be an atoning sacrifice through faith in His blood for a demonstration of His righteousness through the passing over of prior sins in God's forbearance, to demonstrate His righteousness at this present time, that He might Himself be just and the justifier of Him who has faith in Jesus. Where then is the boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? Of works? No, but by a law of faith. We maintain, therefore, that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness. Walk about Zion, and go round about her. Tell the towers thereof. Mark ye well her bulwarks, consider her palaces, that ye may tell it to the generation following.
Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, for this is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Matthew, the 11th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus said, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and, if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children dancing in the marketplaces and calling to their playmates, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. Here ends the Gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings, and shall not be ashamed. And I will delight myself in thy commandments which I have loved, and shall not be ashamed. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, and shall not be ashamed. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text comes from the Epistle lesson, Romans chapter 3. Did you hear those words, the righteousness of God? The righteousness of God. What is, what do we mean by the righteousness of God? Certainly, God is righteous. He is good. He is right. He is perfect and holy. We can understand the righteousness of God like we do most of the time as one of his attributes, something that describes who God is. During the Middle Ages, many people understood the righteousness of God as one of his virtues. God is righteous and he condemns sinners. Sadly, many people lived in fear of an angry God. We know the story of Martin Luther, that German monk who caused so much trouble. He had trouble in his own heart, wondering how a sinner like himself could be justified before God. Like most people of his day, he was afraid of God's wrath. He was afraid of going to hell because of his sins. Luther was seriously studying the Bible and teaching students at the university. It was at this time when John Tetzel 
started going around the area selling indulgences. Luther really took offense. Indulgences were pieces of paper that said your sins were forgiven. And for the right price, people could purchase a get-out-of-hell free card. And indulgences were first given to entice soldiers to join the crusades. And then they became, they, they opened them up to, to ordinary people, to everybody, and they became a way to make lots of money. Indulgences were abused, and the church was exploiting the poor. People were buying them for themselves and for their dead relatives. The church was making money off the free gift that Jesus has won for us all on the cross. It's supposed to be a free gift. It's not supposed to be for sale. And on October 31st, 1517, Luther nailed his 95 theses to the door of the castle church in Wittenberg, Germany. These were meant to start a discussion, but instead they started uproar. The Reformation had begun. The church ordered Luther to recant his writings, to, to take back what he said, but he could not. We think of Martin Luther as changing all of a sudden, but when he first posted those 95 theses, he was still, still very Roman Catholic in many ways. The more he studied the Scriptures, the more he realized the truth of God's Word. Luther really struggled with this phrase, this phrase, the righteousness of of God. So, what does this mean? The righteousness of God. To most teachers in his day, this meant the wrath of God. In Romans 1, Paul says he is not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. <clears throat> so the gospel reveals the righteousness of God. How could this be a good thing? If all God's righteousness does is condemn us as sinners, how could this be good? How can anyone love a judgmental God who is angry and wants to destroy sinners? Then, then Luther was enlightened by the Holy Spirit. He looked closer at the words of Habakkuk 2 verse 4. The just shall live by his faith. He realized that life comes from faith. Eternal life. The forgiveness of sins. This all comes by faith. 
Through faith we receive the righteousness of God. God's perfect righteousness is given to believers by grace as a free gift. This wasn't something new. This wasn't something Paul came up. It wasn't something Luther came up with. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the law and in the prophets. We see it in Jesus. We see the righteousness of God given as a free gift through faith. We see it in the words of Jesus in in His parables. Like the one about the tax collector that beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus says that man went home justified. Through faith in God, that sinner was declared righteous. Righteousness comes by faith. In our text, Paul says, Now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. We see this demonstrated way back in Abraham and all the faithful believers of old, they are justified by faith. They receive the righteousness of God by faith. Those saints of old trusted in the promise that God would send a Savior. And He has. He has sent His Savior, His own Son, into our world Those saints of old, Abraham and them, they had faith that looked forward. Looking forward to the hope of a Savior. We we look to that same Savior. We're just looking back. We're looking back in history. Our Savior died for us. His blood covers our sins. And Jesus rose from the dead. Faith in the crucified and risen Messiah saves people. It's not that we don't do good works. Good works naturally follow in our lives as a result of faith. But our works don't save us. Jesus does. Jesus saves us. Now at times we might be misled into thinking that we could follow God's law and and please Him. Paul makes it clear that no one will be justified in God's sight by works of the law. We know that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. But sometimes we get overwhelmed. The law is all around us. The law is constantly accusing us. We look at what God calls us to do. We know what He expects from us. 
God demands perfection. But we break the Ten Commandments. Jesus makes big demands like if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Sell all you have and follow me. We hear passages like faith without works is dead. And he will render to each according to his works. We get scared. It seems like there's so much in the Bible that accuses us of sin. We feel like passages teach us that we need good works to get into heaven. If someone were able to perfectly keep God's law, yes, they would be worthy to enter heaven. But we are all born sinful. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Only one man was born without sin. Only Jesus has kept God's law perfectly. Jesus is completely righteous. He is God And he became man to suffer and die on the cross, to rise from the dead and give us his own righteousness. Our text says, you are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We are justified, we are declared righteous as a free gift. We don't do anything to earn this righteousness. It is a free gift without payment. God gives this righteousness to us for free. It doesn't cost us anything. But it did cost Jesus a great price. It cost Him His life. He was the payment Jesus is our Redeemer. God put Jesus forward as a propitiation by His precious blood. Jesus was the sacrifice to appease God's anger. By His innocent suffering and death, Jesus absorbed the wrath. The word propitiation used here is the same word used to describe the mercy seat. The lid that covered the Ark of the Covenant. The high priest would sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice on the mercy seat. This covered the Ten Commandments. It covered the law. In the same way, Jesus is the living mercy seat who covers the law For us, He is the perfect and final sacrifice who covers all our sins. God demonstrates His righteousness through Christ. God justifies those who have faith in Jesus. In baptism, God clothes us with the righteousness of Christ. We put on the robes of His righteousness. When Satan accuses us, we point to our faith and our baptism. We are justified because of what Jesus Christ 
has done. For many years, the Christian church had a right understanding of God's grace, the free gift of eternal life that is ours through Jesus. Unfortunately, though, by the 1500s, because of sin in our world, the gospel had become clouded. The church had become corrupted like it was under a Babylonian captivity. We needed what John prophesies in our first reading from Revelation. An angel with an eternal gospel to proclaim. The Holy Spirit worked through Martin Luther to bring people out of the darkness back into the light of the gospel. And Satan is still prowling around trying to cloud the gospel today. Maybe even more than he has before. We are still susceptible to trusting in our own works or in doubting our salvation. We take comfort knowing that the righteousness of God is through faith. It's ours through faith. The turning point in the Reformation was to realize that the righteousness of God is something that He gives us through faith. Instead of condemning us, now the righteousness of God is something He gives to us as a free gift. The law shows us our sin and our need for a Savior. We were slaves to sin. We were justified by faith in Jesus apart from the works of the law. We are justified by grace through faith in Jesus. Through the death and resurrection of His Son, God makes you righteous. This is the truth that Jesus talks about. This is the truth that sets us free. The Son of God makes you righteous. The Son has set you free, so now you are free indeed. Free to eternal life with Him in His kingdom. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.
mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord God, Heavenly Father, pour out, we beseech you, your Holy Spirit upon your faithful people. Keep them steadfast in your grace and truth. Protect and comfort them in all temptations. Defend them against all enemies of your word, and bestow upon Christ, church militant, your saving peace. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you, so to implant your word in us that, in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic, with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Joseph, our President, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our Governor, the Legislature of this State, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially do we pray for those that we name in our hearts at this time. Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishments, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, 
and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, Defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise, and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil, that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and our souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, be with us all. Amen.